This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. We may have someone watching, and this is your first time to find us on the air. And we want you to stay tuned today. We're going to be talking about a subject that comes out of the Old Testament from a passage of Scripture in the book of First Chronicles, Seeking the Lord. I hope that you'll stay tuned. One of the greatest needs we have in our world is for people to seek the Lord with all their heart. Stay tuned as we discuss it. Now today we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course you may not be aware of that in order that you might know more about the course and how you can receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. King David had wanted to build a permanent house for the Lord that would replace the tabernacle, which was a movable tent, and he had it in his mind to build the, t the temple, but God would not let David build the temple because he was a man of war. But eventually God did allow David's son Solomon to build the temple. And David approached Solomon about this and he encouraged he and the people to build the temple, to work together in doing that. And this is what he said in the 19th verse of 1 Chronicles chapter 22. Now I want you to listen to it. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy articles of God into the house that is to be built for the name of the Lord. David was a man of devotion and his devotion was a very intense devotion and he had a hallowed fire that burned in his soul for God. And he feared God. Fear of God was in his family. His son Solomon said that the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. And David longed for the courts of God's house. Over in the 122nd Psalm, he said, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go unto the house of the Lord. Now, David wanted to build that temple, but now he's urging Solomon and the people to do it, and he gives them some advice that is good advice for us even today in the Christian age. Now, set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. And I want us to think about that statement today and seeking the Lord. 
First of all, I want to ask the question, what is included in seeking God? First of all, detachment from God is implied in that statement. It is implied that the people maybe not, had not been seeking the Lord. And they did not, there are some people that do not feel an attachment with God, and they are not seeking Him. Well, it almost seems useless to say that the person doesn't believe in God's not seeking Him, and that's true. Psalms 14 and verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. A person would have to be morally and spiritually senseless to make that declaration. Sometimes there are people who claim to believe in God, but they drift away from Him. Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah talked about the people of his time and how they had broken the heart of God. And he said, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They were children that were corrupt. And he says, You have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. You've gone away backward. They had become backslidden in heart and in life. They, they needed to seek the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 2 and 12, Paul wrote about the world of that day, and he said it, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope in being without God in the world. They needed to seek the Lord. Then in Romans, the first chapter, verse 19, beginning, Paul wrote, that which may be known of God hath been uh, manifest unto them, because he has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power, Godhead and power, so that they're without excuse. For when they knew him as God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Here he's talking about people who knew about God, they, they could even look at the heavens, and because the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork, that which may be known of God has been revealed to them, he said. And so as a result of that, they were without an excuse for not seeking the Lord. But, but, but these people that he's writing about here in Romans chapter 1 indeed were in need of seeking the Lord. In Romans, the third chapter, in verse 18, he talked about the, uh, the people of that day, and he said, there's no fear of God before their eyes. And about the most charitable thing that I could say about some folk in our world today, there's no fear of God before their eyes. You see, we need to seek the Lord because people have become detached from God. They've turned from God. They have denied God. And then there are some that never seek the Lord. They never reflect upon Him. They have no thought of God in their heart, Psalms chapter 10 and in verse number 4. They never meditate on His Word. We need to be people who meditate on His Word, and when we seek Him, we will. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law does He meditate day and night. See, we, it, when we seek God, we meditate on His law day and night. And we also pray, but some never pray. Some never meditate on His Word. Some never think about God. They never reflect on Him. You see, we need to seek the Lord. Set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. 
But what is there about God that we should seek? Can you think of at least one thing about Him that we ought to seek? First of all, we ought to seek the knowledge of His character. Have you ever stopped and thought about how great God really is? Thought about His greatness? There's a song that, that we often sing in a worship service. And, and I, I don't know that I've ever worshiped with a congregation anywhere that I've ever preached, but what th this song was not sung somewhere during the week. How great thou art. And God is great. How can you talk about the greatness of God? He is a great God. He, we, we, he, he is great, and the Bible declares him to be great. He is great in, his, in every respect. He is great in his knowledge. He is great in his presence. He is great in his power. So we need to reflect upon the character of God, his greatness. And then there is God's glory. There is God's power, God's dominion, God's moral perfection. We need to think upon him. Well, what else is there about God that we ought to seek? And why should we seek Him? There is His, His forgiving favor. Our God is a God who's willing to forgive. Now, people sometimes are so unforgiving, hard-hearted, but not God. Even when we disappoint God, He's willing to forgive. In Isaiah 1.18, He said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, God wants to forgive. And he wants us to make, it, make, make us as clean and pure as the new driven snow. And there is his grace. Think about God's grace. That's part of God's character. Grace is God giving us what we need, not what we deserve. Grace is God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. God's grace is his unmerited favor, favor that he bestows upon us that we did not earn, that we did not deserve. And if we are saved, it will be because of his grace. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 reads, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Saved by grace, and the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. Think about the grace of God. Without His grace, we could not be saved. We need to learn what we must do in response to that grace. And grace is God's favor, but what must I do in order to obtain that favor? I must seek Him with all of my heart. I must believe in Him, believe in His Son. I must repent of my sins, confess my faith in his blessed son, and I must be immersed into Christ for the remission of our, my sins, immersed in water, baptized in water for the remission of our, my sins because that's where my sins are washed away. Rise and be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And then... Another thing that we should seek is his constant blessings. Have you ever thought about the fact that God is continually, constantly blessing us? Listen to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe 
that he is, that is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of all of them that diligently do what? Seek him. You see, God rewards those who seek him. They're the constant blessings and of God Almighty when we seek him. And when we set our heart and we set our soul to seek the Lord. But how should we seek God? I think they may be, but there are some folk that, that are just sort of half-hearted seekers. If you were to ask, do you believe in God? Well, yes, I suppose so. But, but, but are they doing what David was told Solomon to do in this passage? How are we to seek God? Well, first of all, we learn from that passage that we seek God with all of our heart and we seek Him with all of our soul. Notice it again. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Heart and soul. We're to seek Him with our heart. And it's not always easy to seek God with our heart. And let me tell you one of the reasons that's the case. Sometimes there's so much opposition that it's hard to set our heart to seek the Lord with all of our heart. It's just a difficult thing to do sometimes because of the opposition that we have. We live in a world that is filled with sin and sinners. And in a world that is filled with sin and filled with sinners, sometimes that, that kind of an atmosphere rubs off on us. And it might be a very difficult thing to set our heart to seek God. And then another reason sometimes it's a difficult thing for some to set their heart on God and to seek God with all of their heart and all their soul because of the sacrifices that are involved. If you're not willing to pay the price of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're none of His. Listen to Jesus in Luke, the 14th chapter in verse 33. Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, and not be my disciple cannot be my disciple. Who cannot be his disciple? The person who's not willing to pay the price. In Matthew 16 and 24, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You can't set your heart on the Lord unless you're willing to pay the price. And sometimes it is a hard price to pay. It, the Lord never promised us a rose garden. He never promised us a bed of ease. You, you see, it's a, sometimes a sacrifice must be made to, to serve the Lord. And we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And then our body is a living sacrifice compared to the dead sacrifices under the Old Testament law. We today present our lives, our bodies, in a sacrificial way, that is, I'm willing to sacrifice my time, my money, my energy, everything about me, I'm willing to, to lay it on the line, to lay it on the altar, to sacrifice it for my God. And the difference between some who are really set on serving God and following God is the difference between those who are willing to sacrifice those that are not. Sometimes it's very difficult to get some people to even attend a service of the church. The church comes together to worship. 
There are those in that church that stay at home. Why? They're just not willing to pay the price of getting up, getting ready, getting in their automobile, and driving to the church building. That's not really a sacrifice. It's just a little effort. But they're not willing to pay the price. Oh, we don't even begin to understand what it means to sacrifice for the Lord. Those early Christians did. Many of them gave their lives because they confessed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are people in our world today that are being killed, slaughtered, because they say they believe in Jesus Christ. And they refuse to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, their lives are taken from them. Now, friend, that's a sacrifice. Sometimes our idea of a sacrifice is watching a 42-inch television screen instead of a 60-inch television screen. That's no sacrifice. Our idea of a sacrifice is just taking a five-day vacation instead of a 10-day vacation. That's not a sacrifice. Or or our idea of a sacrifice is driving an automobile with with 75 or 80,000 miles on it instead of a a, a brand new one that doesn't have any miles on it. That's not a sacrifice. Those are things for convenience sake. A sacrifice is when it really, surely enough costs you something. I think about David's statement in 2 Samuel 24 and verse 24. I will not offer unto the Lord that which doth cost me nothing. David did not want a cheap way to serve God. I fear sometimes that we're looking for a cheap way to serve God. The reason some do not serve God and follow God and seek God is because they have not set their hearts to seek Him because of the sacrifice, the sacrifice that is involved. Now, when should we set our hearts to seek God? When should we be seeking? And the time is now. Go back to our passage in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 19, and look at the very first word in that passage. Now, that means right now, set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Do it now. You see, the reason we ought to do it now is because the past is gone. And you can't bring the past back. You can't retrieve the past. Go to, go to now, you that say today or tomorrow. We will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The past is gone. It is gone forever. And we need to think about now, right now. And now is the time to start seeking God because the present is going at a rapid pace. It's fleeting. First John chapter 2, John is writing beginning in verse 15, urging Christians not to have such an undue attachment to the world. And he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world, listen to it now, passes away. The world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, I I want to attach myself to something that's going to last, don't you? And we don't need to think about this whole world that we're living in. And the present world is going by at a rapid pace. Another reason I suggest we seek God right now is because 
The future is so uncertain. Now, I think it's fine to plan for the future. There are things that I have thought about doing, you know, tomorrow, the next day, maybe next week, next month, next year. I have uh, places on a meeting schedule that I'm going to be preaching for the rest of this year and some next year and the year after that. But the fact of the matter is, those plans may never materialize. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, Solomon said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for a man does not know what a day may bring forth. I have no idea what will be on tomorrow. And so the future is so uncertain. We boast about what we're going to do tomorrow. There's a story in the Old Testament to me is rather humorous, and yet it teaches a powerful lesson about this. And that's when God brought plagues on the land of Egypt. One of those plagues was the plague of frogs. And Pharaoh came to Moses and he said, Entreat the Lord for me. Pray to God, get rid of all of the frogs. And Moses said, When do you want me to do it? He said, Tomorrow. Why in the world would he want to wait till tomorrow to get rid of the frogs? Can you imagine going to bed at night and getting under the covers and a bunch of frogs in the bed? Can you imagine opening up your refrigerator, a bunch of frogs in the refrigerator, eating your soup or your cereal, and there's a frog in the bowl? Frogs everywhere. You couldn't even walk across the floor without an old frog being under your foot. And Pharaoh said, well, why don't you just wait until tomorrow to do it? I don't know why he said that. I, I do know people are prone to put off until tomorrow what ought to be done today. You see, we have no idea what the future holds. And one reason we need to do it now, to seek God right now in our lives, is because now we have the opportunity for good. We have the opportunity now for good. Listen to the Apostle Paul in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, starting in the 14th verse. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. But Paul wrote to these people and he said, you need to wake up, folks. You're not using your opportunities like you should. Why don't you start redeeming the time? Because the days are evil. And we're living in evil days, aren't we? And that's the reason now, right now, is the time for us to start serving and seeking God Almighty. I can't think of a thing that's needed anymore in America, yea, throughout the whole world, than seeking God, can you? We need to start seeking Him with all of our heart and with all of our soul. And, and an, another reason that I want to suggest that we do it now, as David suggested to Solomon, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Do it now because there, there is at no time that the gospel will be more powerful and effective in your life than right now. You say, well, Brother Lambert, I, I've been hearing you preach a long time now, and I've been watching you for years, and I've heard what you've said, from, and, I, and, I, and I really believe that what you're teaching from the Bible is true. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and I know that we ought to repent of our sins, and, and, and I know that the Bible teaches that baptism is for the remission of sins, and that baptism washes away sins, and that, our, that we're baptized in order to be saved, because that's what Jesus said, and that's what the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3.21. 
And some of these days, Brother Lambert, I'm going to call or write to you and tell you that I'm about ready to be baptized. My friend, the gospel is no, will never be any more powerful and effective in your life than it is right now. The gospel is God's power to save us from our sins, Romans 1.16. It is the power to forgive us and cleanse us and to wash us of our sins. We just need to obey the gospel. It's important to obey it. In 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter, beginning in verse number 7, Paul said, to you, to you that are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Let me ask you a question. What does that really mean? What did Paul mean in verses 7, 8, and 9 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? Well, when he said Jesus would come again and that Jesus would take vengeance on those, number one, who don't know God, who deny God, and those who do not obey the gospel, and that those who do not know God and those who do not not obey the gospel will be punished with everlasting destruction. What does that really mean? Does it not sound to you like that it's important, imperative, that we obey the gospel? One day you and I are going to stand before God in the judgment, and we're going to have to answer for some things. How are you going to answer when it comes to the gospel? Will you have obeyed the gospel? To obey the gospel, you believe on Jesus. You repent of your sins. You confess faith in Christ. You're baptized. Because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Have you done that? If not, why not? You see, now is the time for you to act. There's urgency in seeking. He said, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. It is urgent that we seek God because He is God, because of who He is. And and it is urgent that we seek Him because seeking God is indispensable to our happiness now and forevermore. And seeking God is essential to our salvation. That's why Isaiah 55 and verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. There may be a time you can't seek him. You can't find him, even though you may search. Now is the time to set your heart to seek and to serve God Almighty. I want to thank you for watching today. And may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ 
If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Please,